Hello, everyone, and welcome to Myth in the Mojave, a weekly half hour of storytelling and conversation about mythology and how it informs our lives today. I'm your local mythologist, Catherine Savela. I live here in Joshua Tree, and I'm pleased to bring this program to the high desert and beyond here on Radio Free Joshua Tree. This is our first program, Yahoo! (laughs) And I'm going to tell you two stories about one of my favorite mythological characters, the trickster known as Old Man Coyote. Trickster figures are very common in mythologies all over the world because we couldn't have this lively, ever-evolving, ever-changing, perfectly imperfect world that we live in without him. Tricksters are agents of change, which is one reason that I'm actually mildly obsessed with him. If there's one thing that we need to understand and learn to embrace, it's change. The trickster is so ubiquitous that he's often called an archetype. An archetype is kind of a fancy word for a prototype or a pattern that shows up again and again across cultures and across time. You could also call an archetype a root metaphor, which, man, metaphors are really the the building blocks of any mythology. Now, I'm mentioning this because there might be details in this story that remind you of other stories that you know, or you may be familiar with stories about other tricksters. Raven, for example, or Rabbit, those are two other Native American tricksters, Um, Ishu from the Western African tradition, or Hermes, the Greek god, or even the Hindu god Krishna. The trickster keeps life interesting. He keeps our culture evolving. And as human beings, with our own need to do stuff, and by that I mean the urge to invent, to meddle, to probe, to break the rules, we are very close and dear to the trickster. According to some trickster myths and some traditions, trickster is the creator of human beings, which is one way of thinking about all of the good and trouble that we bring into this world. I'm going to tell some trickster stories from other cultures in the next couple of weeks so we can explore some of these ideas together. But the first story that I'm going to tell today is called Coyote Keeps His Name. It's based on a version told by the Okanagan people of the Pacific Northwest, adapted from a Barry Lopez collection titled Giving Birth to Thunder. This was also my source for Coyote Brings Fire to the People, which is the story that I told as part of my conversation with Ted about mythology in other desert stories last weekend. And um, this little Lopez book is a great book uh, to refer to if you like coyote stories. He's got some great stuff in there. So this is my version of Lopez's version. And I say thank you to the Ognaguan and other Native peoples who have allowed their valuable stories to pass through other lips like my own. They say that a story wants to be told and that a storyteller just wants that wisdom to be passed around. But it is important, once again, to recognize our sources and to give a nod to the ancestors, if you will. I hope also that having a little bit of cultural context will make it easier for you to understand the story. So, without further ado, let's get to the story 
And many thanks to Philip Rosenberg for his help in putting together this program, including the wonderful drumming that you'll hear in the background. Right now, just sit back and listen. I invite you to pay attention to the moments in this story that pique your interest or speak to you. They can tell you something about where you are in the story today. One day, a long time ago, the Great Spirit called all of the animal people together. There is going to be a change, he said. New people are coming, and when they arrive, you will all need names. Some of the animal people had names at that point, and some of them did not. Set up your lodges here around mine, the Great Spirit said, and we'll start in the morning. The first to arrive can choose any name, and so forth, until all have been named. When you get your name, I will also give you a job to do. The name and the task will belong to you and your descendants always. Now, all of the people wanted power names. Coyote especially wanted a new name, a warrior name of some sort. He was called Trickster and Imitator, and the others sometimes ridiculed him, and he didn't like it. Coyote decided that he would get the name Grizzly Bear and be chief of the four-leggeds, or Eagle and be chief of the birds, or Salmon and be chief of the fish. These were all good warrior power names. Coyote spent the rest of the day going around telling the other animals that he was going to get a new super powerful name. He ran into his brother Fox, and when he told Fox, Fox just laughed. Trickster is trickster, he said. You can't change that. And besides, you know that no one will try to steal your name because nobody wants to be called Coyote. They argued about this a bit. Coyote insisted that Fox would be laughing out of his hat come tomorrow morning and set off down the road. You better go home and rest if you're going to be first tomorrow morning, Fox yelled after him. But Coyote came upon other animals and stopped to ask them questions. How do you do this and why do you do that, he asked. Whenever they answered, he said, oh, I already knew that because that was just his way. On the road home, he stopped to play a game of stick and hoop and lost badly. When Coyote finally got home, he talked to his wife, who would be called Mole after the naming day, and told her of his plan to get a power name. I will be Grizzly Bear, he said, or maybe Eagle, or perhaps Salmon. I will have a powerful warrior name. Then Coyote told his wife to make him some dinner and a big fire because he was going to stay up all night to be sure and be the very first one at the Great Spirit's Lodge the next morning. Mole built a fire and she sat with Coyote for a little while. Then she tossed on a couple more logs and went to bed. Coyote sat and watched the flames. He started to get sleepy, and his eyes drooped. 
So he got a couple of twigs and propped up his eyelids to keep them open. But eventually, finally, Coyote fell dead asleep and sat before the fire in a deep snore with his eyes propped wide open. The sun was well up in the sky the following morning when Mole made a sound and woke up her husband. She didn't wake him up earlier because she was afraid that if he did get a power name, he would leave her. Either that or become even more obnoxious. Coyote leapt up and ran over to the Great Spirit's Lodge. It was very quiet all around. There didn't seem to be anyone else there. Good, Coyote thought. I am the first to arrive. He went into the Great Spirit's Lodge and loudly announced, I will be Grizzly Bear. Uh, that name has been taken, said the Great Spirit. Well, I will be Eagle then, said Coyote. Eagle flew away at dawn, answered the Great Spirit. In a rather subdued tone, Coyote ventured, How about Salmon? And the Great Spirit said that that name had also been claimed. Everyone else has been here and left, Coyote, said the Great Spirit, and the only name left is yours, Trickster. No one else wanted it, so you will again be called Coyote. Coyote was sad at this news and he sat forlornly by the fire with his head hung low. He looked so pitiful that the great spirit felt sympathy for him. I wanted you to keep the name Trickster, he said. It's my fault, Coyote, that you overslept. Imitator is a good name for you, and I have a special job for you to do. You will be chief of the new people, the Great Spirit told him. When they come, they won't know how to do anything. Not how to dance, or dress, or laugh, or shoot a bow. You, Coyote, will teach them all of these things. There are dreadful monsters on Earth who will try to eat the new people, and you will protect them. For this, you will be honored. But you will also do foolish things, and the people will laugh at you. That will just be your way. Being chief of the new people was clearly an important task. The Great Spirit continued, Because this is a big job, Coyote, I will give you three special powers. One, you can change into anything that you want. Two, you can understand and communicate with every being except water. Three, when you die, you will come back to life. Coyote felt better. He got up from the fire, brushed himself off, and went out to make things right.
Hello, everybody. If you're just tuning in, this is Catherine Savela, your local mythologist, bringing you Myth in the Mojave, a weekly half hour of storytelling and conversation about mythology here at Radio Free Joshua Tree. I'm going to tell you another coyote story in a few minutes, but first I want to mention that last weekend I told the story, Coyote Brings Fire to the People, as part of the other Desert Stories program with Ted Quinn. So if you want to hear another coyote story, you can look for the archived show at RadioFreeJoshuaTree.com. And I had a really fantastic time talking with Ted about mythology in that show. So if you missed other Desert Stories last week, I hope you'll go and check it out, along with some of the other great shows that have already aired here at Radio Free Joshua Tree. Now, when the program started, I said that Coyote is a trickster and that the trickster is an archetype. The trickster archetype has some specific characteristics that I want to share with you because you never know when you might meet the trickster or someone who is acting trickster-like. Tricksters are the face of chance and happy or unhappy accident. They disrupt plans. Tricksters tell lies and steal, and somehow, paradoxically, in the process, tell the truth and give gifts. And that's an important point about tricksters, paradox. They bring together things that we don't normally feel belong together. And they are amoral. By that I mean our moral codes don't really apply to them. They aren't good or bad, they just are like a lot of the unplanned aspects of life, (laughs) and the crimes that a trickster commits, which are usually lying and stealing, are crimes of opportunity. Because a trickster is good at seeing possibilities, like, for example, an unlocked door. Tricksters are travelers. You notice in the story that um, I said Coyote was going there. Coyote was on the way. Coyote's And tricksters are gods of the thresholds. They're always on the road. You meet them at the crossroads. They are often in between. They can go between realms. And they show up at the in-between times in our lives. As agents of change, tricksters are shapeshifters. And they are creators of culture. A trickster is the proverbial breath of fresh air, the stick that stirs the pot. We often think that order is perfection and that disorder is chaos, and that's true. But they're two sides of the same coin. Something that never changes gets stagnant and dull. Things that don't change change are actually ultimately dead. Coyote and tricksters like him are the force that keeps things moving. Now, in the story that I just told, Coyote comes off as kind of a sweet character, and he was even heroic in the fire story that I told as part of other desert stories last week. So lest we get too one-sided, here is another story and another side of Coyote to give you something to chew on for the coming week. This is kind of a strange one the roots of which can be traced back to the Hirakaya Apache of northern New Mexico, and I call it the eye juggler. I first came across this story in a book titled Trickster Makes the World by Lewis Hyde, 
which is a really fascinating examination of the trickster in culture and art in particular. So once again, I invite you to sit back and relax and listen and see where the story takes you. One day, Coyote was going there. He was out across the plains, alone with his tail held high, when he saw a man, off in the distance, doing something strange. Coyote went up to the man. The man was taking out his eyeballs and throwing them up into a tall tree. Wow, Coyote said to the man, that is quite a trick. Tell me, when your eyes are up there, can you see? Oh, yes, said the man. I can see a very far distance. And then he turned his face up towards the top of the tall tree and said, Eyeballs, come back. And his eyeballs came down from the top of the tree and landed in his hands, and he put them back in his sockets. Brother, said Coyote, <laughs> you, you have to teach me that trick. But the man said, no. No, Coyote, I, I don't think that's a good idea. But Coyote begged, you have to teach me that trick. And of course his mind was racing with all of the incredible things that he could see and all the spying that he could do if he could toss his eyeballs high up into a tree. Okay, said the man. I will teach you, Coyote, but I have to warn you, you can't do this more than four times in one day. Oh, I I, I understand, said Coyote. I... Not more than four times in one day. I've got it. Very good. And so the man showed Coyote how to take out his eyeballs and put them back in. And the man went on his way. And Coyote stood underneath the very tall tree and he thought he would experiment with his cool new trick. And so he took, plucked out his eyeballs and he sent them up to the top of the nearest tree. And from there, he could see so far. He could see everything moving for miles. He could see all of the ladies bathing and doing their laundry off in the river. And after a while, he said, Eyeballs, come back down. And his eyeballs came back down. And they landed right in the palm of his hand. And he put them back in his sockets. This was a marvelous trick. And Coyote went on, and he walked further across the plain, and he came to another tall tree, and he wondered what was going on in that country. And again, he took out his eyeballs, and he tossed them up, and they went to the top of the tree. And he looked all around, and he saw who was baking fresh pies and putting them out on windowsills to cool. And he saw who was making love and who was doing things that maybe shouldn't be seen. And after a while, he again called, Eyeballs, come back down. And down they came and landed in his palm, and he put them back into his sockets, and Coyote went on his way. 
and Coyote walked further, and he came to another tall tree. And once again, the eyeballs went up. And once again, he called them just as he had been taught, and they came back down. And Coyote went on his way again, and the fourth time, he plucked out his eyeballs and tossed them up to the top of a tree. And when he had tired of all that there was to see, he called them back down. And now Coyote went on, and he had been walking for a while. And he came to another very tall tree in the midst of another country that seemed that it was likely full of very interesting events and secrets and bathing nymphs in rivers. And he remembered the instructions that he got from the man. He remembered that the man said, well, you can't do this more than four times in a day. And Coyote thought to himself, you know, that that was that man's rule. And I think it probably applied to him in his country. But I am Coyote, and I am now in my country. So surely this rule about four times in one day does not apply to me. And so once again, Coyote plucked out his eyes and he tossed them up to the top of the tall tree. And his eyes saw things far and wide. But the day was very hot and after a while his eyes started to feel a little bit dry up there in the top of the tree and so Coyote decided to call them back down. Eyeballs, he said. Come back down. The eyeballs did not come back down and land in the palm of his hand this time. Uh, I say, eyeballs, said Coyote. Come back down. No, the eyeballs did not come back down and fall in the palm of his hand. Coyote circled around to the other side of the tree. Eyeballs, he said, come back down now. Eyeballs. But his eyeballs would not come back down from the top of the tree. Coyote was very distressed, and he was also quite hot, and his eye sockets were just a little bit itchy. So he decided to lay down under the tree in the shade and take a little rest and consider his predicament. He lay down under the tree with the breeze blowing, and he was so very still that a mouse, which happened upon him, thought that perhaps Coyote was dead. The mouse came up to Coyote and he was so still and he seemed so dead that the young creature was emboldened enough to run onto Coyote's body. And Coyote laid very still, very still indeed. And all of a sudden, just as the mouse got onto his chest, He reached up and thwack, got the mouse in his paw. He opened his eyes, his sockets that is. Brother Coyote, said the mouse, it looks like you've had a little bit of trouble. Oh yes, Brother Mouse, said Coyote. And so I'm going to have to ask you for one of your eyeballs. Well, what am I going to do with only one eyeball? said Mouse. 
And Coyote said, well, if you don't give me one of your eyeballs, I'm going to eat you. So the mouse thought the eyeball was the better choice to be made. And so he gave Coyote one of his eyeballs. And Coyote let the mouse go. And he put the teeny, teeny, tiny little mouse eyeball into his empty socket. And it rolled around there like a BB. And he could kind of see if he tipped his head way back so that the eyeball wouldn't fall out. And he went off stumbling and bumbling around and almost running into things with his arms outstretched in front of him on his way home. And as he was walking, he came across Buffalo. And Buffalo said, Brother Coyote, it looks like you've had some serious trouble. And Coyote said, Indeed, Brother Buffalo, I have, and maybe you can help me because uh, you might be able to spare an eyeball, perhaps. And the buffalo didn't see a problem with that, and so he took out one of his eyeballs and he gave it to Coyote. Now, a buffalo eyeball is quite large. And Coyote stuffed it into his socket and it bulged out, just hanging out over his face. But he could kind of see out of this eye too, and so with the mouse eyeball rolling around in one socket and the buffalo eyeball bulging out of the other, Coyote stumbling and crashing into things made his way home and that's the end don't do as I do seems to be the message there and maybe now you're wondering why we need somebody like Coyote in the world or even more to the point why he is our chief but these are questions I'm going to leave for you to ponder As we heard in the story about Coyote keeping his name, this curious mix of heroism and foolishness is Coyote's way. And one of the things that you discover when you look into mythology, in particular uh, Native American mythologies and those that utilize animals and have a sense of, of the community of life being larger than just human beings, is this idea of a way, that everything and every being has a a way that is specific to it. Coyote is paradox. Coyote is a challenge to understand. So that's it for me today, Catherine Savela and Myth in the Mojave. I hope that you really enjoyed the stories, and and to that you'll tune in again next Saturday from 3 to 3.30 at Radio Free Joshua Tree. If you have questions about today's program or mythology in general, I invite you to email me at mythicmojo at gmail.com. That's mythicmojo, M-O-J-O, at gmail.com. You can also find these stories and many others like them online at www.catherinesvela.com. That's spelled C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, S like Sam, V like Victor, E-H-L-A. 
and consider yourself invited to the next High Desert Mythological Roundtable, which will meet on Tuesday, April 30th at the Red Arrow Gallery from 7 to 9 p.m. Thank you very much for tuning in, and next week I'll tell a couple of stories about a Western African trickster named Ishu. In the meantime, happy myth-making, and keep the mystery in your life alive. Mm-hmm.